Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Okay, as I mentioned, we're in the last week of this series, Want More. In week one, I talked about materialism and how is it that I can know whether or not I love money more than God or love God more than money. And then in week two, Armin talked about how can I know if money is the source of my confidence. By the way, Armin, thank you for bringing that word. Today, I'll answer two questions. How can I be generous? And why be generous? This series is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6 is interesting because it's not just about money. It's about life. It's about the way life works. How many of you could use some tips on the way life works? Anybody looking for some life hacks? <laughs> some of the most amazing hacks in doing life are found in the Bible. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is talking about money and those who have money. Anybody here have money? Nobody. <laughs> for those who didn't raise their hand, <laughs> this message is about how to handle the resources that God has given us. And so let's see what God's word says. I'm reading from chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Paul says they are to do good. He's writing to Timothy. He's giving Timothy instruction on what to say to the church. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, if you didn't read the beginning of this chapter, and these two verses were all you read, if you didn't know the context, you could develop an entirely different topic. You might think he's talking about being a good person in order to go to heaven. Because he says, if you want a good foundation for the future, if you want that which is truly life, then you need to do good. You need to be rich in good works. You need to be generous. Sounds like salvation by works. That would be a fair interpretation if this was all we knew about eternal life, but it's not. We know from other parts of God's word that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We also know the Apostle Paul, by the way, who was taken up into heaven and came back, he said, we are saved because of what Jesus did not because of what we did. This passage is not about being good in order to get to heaven. He's talking about doing good so that you can get something. He's not talking about being good so that you can get something. He's talking about being good because of what you've already been given, because you already have a great gift. Let me put it this way. How many of you work 30 to 60 hours a week? Raise your hand. If you work 30 to 60 hours a week, okay. How many of you get paid for the time you put in? Okay. 
That's an example of doing good in order to get something. It's called a job. But what if God allowed you somehow to receive $20 million? Would you need to work? No. What would you do with your money? So just dream with me for a moment. (laughs) What would you do with your money? I heard travel. I heard food. Would you buy your parents a house? Would you help purchase property for the church? Just checking. (laughs) Would you send your kids to college? Would you help a friend get their car repaired? Would you do something for your community? What would you do? Or more importantly, why would you do it? Paul is not talking about doing good so that you can get something. He's talking about, talking about doing good because of what you already have. And more importantly, he says, what you do with what you have will determine your future. This is, very, this is a very important principle. What you do with what you have will determine your future. It's called the principle of sowing and reaping. It's an agricultural illustration. If you plant something in the ground, it will grow. What you plant will determine your landscape in the future. 40 years ago, my parents built their house, and we started landscaping. And my mom wanted some shade on the entrance to the dining room. So we built a trellis, and I planted this nice vine with white flowers to grow up the trellis and provide the shade for the entrance. 10 years later, that vine totally overtook the property. And I've been battling that vine ever since. I'm winning the war, but the battle continues. (laughs) What you plant will determine your landscape in the future. This is true of plants, but Paul is not talking about plants. He's talking about a spiritual reality. What you do creates a cause and effect. You all know how this sentence goes. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. That's Newton's third law of motion. We understand this in the physical. What many people don't realize, this is also true in the spiritual. When God created the universe, he didn't create one set of laws for the things that you cannot see and another set of laws for the things you can see. He created one set of laws for everything. The entire universe runs on one set of laws. If you plant anger, bitterness, and judgment in life, it's going to come back to you. What a man sows, he will also reap. If you plant forgiveness and generosity and service, it's going to come back to you. It's just the way God made the universe. So the reason Paul says do good, the reason he says be rich in good works, the reason he says to be generous is because what you do will form your future. What you do will come back to you. As you practice doing good, you will lay a good foundation for your future. 
of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this is true uh, for this life, and more importantly, for the life to come. Remember, Paul had gone to heaven and back, and so he's, he's thinking, he's speaking, he's writing from an eternal perspective. And he tells us about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is uh, beginning with verse 11. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet though as through fire. This passage refers to the second judgment. There are two. The first judgment will separate believers from unbelievers. The second judgment is for Christians only, where the work that we do for the Lord will be evaluated. It will be tested. It will be tested with fire. And if we build with, notice the materials. There's gold and silver and precious gems, and then there's wood, hay, and straw. And depending on the quality of the materials that we use to do life, will determine whether or not they pass the test. The quality of our work is one thing to be evaluated. There is another. The other is our motivation. It's one thing to do good work. But the other question is why? Why did we do that? This verse we read earlier, the day, let's read it once more. The day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. The Bible also tells us that our motivation makes a difference. There are many passages in the Bible that talk about it, but one that's probably well known is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the chapter on love. I'll just read the first three verses. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. The reason Paul says to do good, the reason he says to be rich in good works, the reason he says to be generous is because God's word is clear. There are rewards in heaven based on the quality of our work and our motivation. And secondly, uh, we live in a world of cause and effect. <clears throat> in other words, what you do is going to come back to you. So, how can I be generous? Cheerful giving happens 
when we experience God's overflowing grace and desire to honor him. A good example is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming by. He climbed up in the tree to see him because he was short. And you have to understand the, the, the perception of tax collectors. They were like the lowest of the low. I mean, they were considered like traitors and betrayers to their country and their culture because they were collecting money for the oppressors. And they weren't honest about it. They, they were taking a cut, and they were, they were doing it for the money. It'd be like, wow, you sold out for money? And people hated tax collectors. And so here's Zacchaeus in this crowd where he's despised among his own people group. And Jesus calls him out and says, Zacchaeus, I want to stay at your place tonight. And so here he is, despised among the people, and Jesus calls him out and honors him. And the people murmured in their heart, like, oh, geez, really? He went to go have dinner with a sinner? And Zacchaeus got touched by the love of God. And while they were having dinner, he said, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of all my possessions. And if I have cheated anybody, I will turn to them four times the amount of what I stole. I mean, that's an amazing statement. I mean, imagine giving half of everything you own. How many of you have two cars? Imagine giving one of your cars away. <laughs> or imagine just splitting down the middle the things that you possess and, and giving it all away. And if he's cheated anybody, he's willing to pay back four times the amount. What would cause him to do that? Zacchaeus was so touched by the love of God, he was changed and transformed and began to, to serve and to give. He became very generous. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Why be generous? Because Jesus is generous to us. <clears throat> Let me illustrate how generous Jesus is to you. I'm going to put an illustration up here on the wall. You can't read the handwriting. That's okay. I just want you to see the picture. This is Joe. When Joe's younger, he makes some choices in his life. Those choices are like seeds that are planted in the field of his life. 25 years later, those seeds grow, and they come back to Joe. And sometimes if we make wrong choices, our life later on, when we're in our 40s and our 50s, we're just like, oh, man, what is happening to me? It seems like stuff is unraveling. The good news about being a Christian is you can place the cross between yourself and the choices that you made in the past. And the work of Jesus on the cross is there to receive the consequences of your choices. Is that not why Jesus died on the cross? Was to receive the consequence of our sin? To take the punishment for us? And that's just not something that is kind of spiritual or theology. This is practical. You may be experiencing patterns and habits in your life, and you're on this merry-go-round, and you're wondering, how can I ever get off? But when we become aware of the choices that got us here to begin with, and we bring those into the light and confess those and ask the Lord to forgive us, we place the cross between us and those choices that we're reaping the results now.
And Jesus absorbs the consequence of that, and you can get free from the pattern and the habit by bringing it into the light and letting Jesus take the consequence for that and set you free. Ask him to bring that old habit and pattern to death on the cross so that now you can develop a new way of living. The law of sowing and reaping is universal, and it's constant. God's laws are universal and constant, meaning they apply to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter if you're atheist, Buddhist, agnostic, Hindu, Muslim, whatever. Like I said, God created one set of rules for the entire universe that applies to everybody. And it's constant, meaning it never changes. You know, some people think, well, you know, the Old Testament, that's an old code of ethics for an ancient culture that lived long ago. You know, today we live in a modern society. We have a different set of values. And if, if you take on that approach, that's a big mistake. Because these are spiritual principles involving relationships that never change. It would be like me saying, you know, today I'm going to ignore gravity. I'm just going to walk off the top of this building because I choose not to believe in gravity. We all know what would happen. It doesn't matter what I believe. In the same way, we tend to ignore some of these principles that are found in God's word. And then we walk through life, and it's like we bang up against a glass window and go, boom, and we have a bloody nose, and we're like, whoa, what just happened? Chances are we just violated one of the spiritual principles in the Bible and didn't know it. God's laws are universal, and they're constant. They never change. Interesting, though, although the law of gravity is universal and constant, you can overcome the law of gravity through the law of aerodynamics. You get in a plane, and you can overcome the law of gravity. In the same way, although the principle of sowing and reaping is universal and constant, the law of God's grace and the power and the work of the cross can overcome the law of sowing and reaping. This is how generous God is to you. This is what Jesus has done for you. Why be generous? Because Jesus is generous to us. Because we will receive rewards in heaven. Why be generous? Because you will store up treasure in heaven. Can you imagine arriving in heaven and realizing you forgot to send treasure ahead of you? In the beginning of this message, I said I would answer two questions. How can I be generous, and why be generous? Like Zacchaeus, we can be generous when we are touched by God's love and desire to honor him by sharing what we have. Why be generous? Because what you do will determine your future in this life and in the life to come. At the same time, if we're not generous, there will be a loss of reward. What you do each day will determine your future. As we close, I'd like us to ask God to help us see how we can be generous. I'd like you to write it down. I'd like you to write down how you plan to do it. You can write it on your phone or write it on something. And this week, I invite you to talk about it with your family. Talk about it with your life group. It might involve your time. It may involve your possessions. 
It could be to do something with that flyer sitting next to you. It could be your money. It might involve serving in some way. The idea is that with your family and friends, uh, you will grow in generosity. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I'm amazed how generous you are. Your grace, your kindness, your patience, everything we have, the air we breathe, every heartbeat is a gift. We thank you for life. And Lord, more amazing is that you came and allowed us to receive eternal life, that it will never end, and we can be with you forever. Despite all the mistakes we've made, Lord, you are truly generous. I pray, God, as we receive and absorb and soak in your generosity, that you will transfer in part your heart. Lord, make us more like you. Teach us how to be like you. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like you to take a moment just to ask the Lord God, what are you saying to me? What is it that I'm supposed to take home? And if you would take a moment to let that become clear for you, that's very important. Lord, I pray for clarity. Help each one of us to understand and to know the way to go. And so we have time. We're not in a hurry. I want you to just relax and sit in his presence. Turn the attention of your heart toward him. And just allow yourself to receive and understand what it is that God has for you. If something has become clear, I want to invite you to respond by faith. I want to invite you to trust God to help you be able to, to put it into practice. Ask him how, when, with who. Lord, here I am. I'm listening. Allow me to follow you and be a part of what it is that you're doing. 
Help me make the major adjustment. Lord, help me press through the doubt, the unbelief, and to live by faith. Lord, help me to honor you with my life. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I also want to talk to another group that may be here today. You're hearing me talk about experiencing God. And that's something that you've been thinking about lately. In fact, you're searching and wanting to experience him. That's why you're here today. And if that describes you, but you've never made a a decision to actually open up and to let him come into your life, I want to give you a chance to do that today. And it's real simple. It's just a matter of making the decision, making the choice, and then expressing that decision to God. We call it prayer. And I'll pray out loud in a moment. I invite you to pray along with me. God, I know you've been getting my attention recently. And so I'm, I'm here. I'm listening. And today I'm making a decision. I'm saying, yes, I want to know you. And so I'm opening up to you. I open my mind and my heart from the innermost being, and I invite you to come into my life and show yourself to me. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done that have been hurtful. I thank you for Jesus and how he took my place on the cross. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your spirit of forgiveness. I receive the spirit of Jesus into my life. I ask you to come and be with me. Allow me to be with you and give me a new start. Lord, I ask that you would reveal who you are and your ways. Lord, show me your way of living life. Lord, I ask that you would make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask all this in Jesus' name.